Thank you for downloading this sermon from Christ the Word Church. If you would like more information on how Christ the Word is reaching, raising, and teaching generations in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, please visit us online at ChristTheWord.com. I'd ask you to stand. Our passage is from 1 Peter this morning. It'll be on the screen or you can read along in your Bible. 1 Peter, we're going to start in verse 22 and we're going to go into chapter 2 in the, verse, the first three verses. This is the word of the Lord. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of the seed which is, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and the enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation." if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, I pray that as we look at your word today, Lord, may our eyes be open, may our hearts be soft, Lord, to receive what you command of us, what you would have, how you would have us live, Father. I pray you'll be with me. Give me the words to speak. In your heavenly name, amen. Well, I don't know if you saw, but Joel and Renee Murphy are back from Florida visiting this week, so I'll point you guys out. I was um, talking with them before the service, and in my mind, you guys moved away two months ago. Well, it was December, and I feel like, and maybe all of you feel like, the last, you know, this year has flown by. Um, in some ways, it's gone by really slow. In other ways, it's gone by really quickly. And almost everything now is measured from the time that quarantine started. And so I'd like to start off by asking you a few questions um, following this pattern. And I'll, we'll go back the last six months, about March, when, when quarantine began. How have you grown in the past six months? And I'm not talking about quarantine 15. How have you grown spiritually? How have you grown closer to God? What have you learned from God's Word in the past six months or so that you've implemented and has changed your life? How have you acted in obedience to God's word and have seen fruit from that? What sins have you defeated? And I hope examples come to mind because this was already about six months ago, half a year. I hope you're honest too. Maybe you didn't see any growth. Maybe these past six months were a time where you, grow, where you grew more apathetic to the things of God. It may be the case that new sins crept into your life that hadn't been there before. Maybe your, your daily Bible reading and prayer life diminished. It may be that you did read the Word and have been faithfully, but you've taken no action from it and it hasn't borne out in your life. Our passage holds up to us two clear and prevailing truths. The death that comes from sinful flesh and the life that comes from the eternal Word of God. 
The word of God is enduring, our passage tells us, and the flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and falls off, but the word of God endures forever. There is the word of God, and then there's everything else. And there are those who have been born of the word and those who are born and live according to the flesh. There's no neutral state or middle ground. And as Christians, we are the ones who have received this great love. You and I have had this word preached to us, and we are now born not of the perishable, but of the imperishable seed. And this is the work that the living and enduring God, the word, does for us. And as children of God, you and I are a new creation, regenerated to new life. We have been granted eternal life. Our lives are no longer what the passage describes as the grass or the flower, but we have eternal life and eternal glory. And so this is how chapter 1 ends. Okay, now it moves into chapter 2, and it starts with the word therefore. Now we need to ask what I call the Dr. Forney question. You may know it. What, what is the therefore therefore? Well, the therefore is there to connect what was written at the end of chapter 1 with what's about to come in chapter 2. And what comes in chapter 2 is, therefore, since we have been born to this imperishable seed, therefore, put aside sin and, like newborns, long for the Word of God. So put aside sin and long for the Word of God because you have been born again to an imperishable seed. These two commands, put aside sin and long for the Word of God, are given to us because we are born again and we are new creatures. Our passage teaches us that there is an expectation for those who have been born again that they will put off sin and long for the Word. It is implied. Notice that it speaks of the Word as pure milk. The Word is holy. It's perfect. It's spotless. The fact that it's milk means that it is nourishing to us. It gives life and it gives strength. And it does so in a helpful way that produces growth. Like an infant receives strength and growth from milk, so Christians have their life and gain their strength from milk. We see the battle playing out here, right? God has called us from life to death, and yet in our passage, we're told this, and then we're told to put aside sin. There's a battle to daily grow in holiness. Put aside sin and cling to the Word is what we're challenged to do. Our sin is what keeps us from longing for the Word of God. It's what keeps us from turning it to it. It clouds our eyes, and we miss the vital truths that it teaches. It is impossible for us to love God's Word, to cherish God's Word, and yet to live in continual unrepentant sin. It's impossible. How can that which is unholy look on and love that which is holy? Our sinful nature is opposed to the Word of God. Without, scripture, without the Spirit's help, excuse me, we are not able to see and understand God's Word. Sin and God's Word cannot coincide together. Things that are holy do not mix with things that are fleshly. The Word of God must be approached with a pure and holy heart. And as we seek to put off our sin, right, it's where chapter 2 starts, this moves into, now, like newborns, long for the Word of God. And it's important to understand that this 
is a command from God to long, to desire the Word of God. This is a command. And it might seem unreasonable that Scripture would command us to have a desire, right? It might, it's a little weird, right? Have this desire. Now, this seems unreasonable because I think we're so, we're so conditioned to believe that our feelings direct our actions. We think that we, we often live as if we have zero ability to control our desires and our impulses. We live with not much responsibility. Now, I've never, um, I've never been on a cruise ship. I don't know if you have, but I was talking with Parker Cornwell. He and his family went on one, I think, this past year. And from what he described, cruises are exactly what I would imagine them to be. Food and entertainment, all week, continually, right? If you've been on a cruise, you may have found this to be true. Food at, at, at any moment, any time of the day, any kind you want. Entertainment, right? Um, activities, shows, at every waking moment. There's something for everyone, right? So if you're not happy on a cruise, you're just not a happy person. Well, in reality, the American life is kind of modeled after a Royal Caribbean cruise line. We've taken the vacation aspect of a cruise and sought to implement it in any way possible into our daily lives, right? We have continual food and entertainment at the push of a button. Instant gratification. Decisions driven by impulse. Now, if you shop at Costco, you know what I mean. I don't believe Costco would be in business if it weren't for impulse buying. I, I can't think of a time in my life where before I've gone to a store, I've thought to myself, oh, wow, I need three, a three-pound bag of seaweed snack chips. <laughs> All right? It's, it, you see it, and, you, and they market it well, and you want to buy it. It's impulse. God calls you and I not to live by our feeling and emotion and let that to control and direct us. Our Lord calls us away from this type of life. Our duty is to live for God and consider what he would call us to do, first and foremost, and also to consider how we may love our fellow man. If you want to know Ryan Beckley's biggest pet peeve, it's people who say, I feel. Say, I feel about, around Ryan, and he will correct you. So not only did he teach me what an adverb is in pastor's college, he taught me not to say, I feel. Say, I think. You don't feel, you think. Think, don't feel. Now, you may think, you know, inconsequential which one you use, but it's an important distinction to make. I think Ryan has, it was how helpful to learn that from him. We are so ready to make decisions in our life based on a feeling that has nothing to do with any objective truth. Don't feel, think. We need to learn to resist the urge to let our feelings and our emotions guide our thoughts and our actions. Instead, cause your thinking to direct your feelings. And not just any thoughts, but the thoughts that Scripture gives. The commands that it calls you to consider. This command that we're given in 1 Peter to desire the Word of God like an infant is a real command that we must do and obey. It's a command that we should carefully consider so that we are careful enough to implement it and follow it. In other words... If you are sitting here, and the question I started with, how, you know, what have, how have you grown spiritually in the last six months, and you're sitting here, I don't know. 
I don't think I've had a love for God word, God's Word. What our passage is saying to you, start desiring it. Start. Have these feelings and longings. This is a real command from God. Change your desires. Start longing for the Word of God like you haven't in a long time. Stop giving in to your flesh and start listening to what God has to say to you through His Word. You don't need to follow the desire to sin. You don't. Christ's work on the cross has, in fact, freed us from this by the living, through the living and enduring Word of God. It can be stopped, and you can grow in your love for God's Word, and it will be a source of life to you. When I was a young man, um, one of the transformative, God taught me this in a really transformative way. So many of you may know I was very rebellious growing up, okay? I, from the age, I, I, I can't even remember when it started, but my whole life up until I was 12 or 13, I was in constant conflict with my parents. I mean, I mean constant. And um, it was painful. My life was painful and hard. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I, I was probably spanked 30 times a day. And not the, you know, the symbolic, you know, pats on the rear end. No, the two-handed samurai sword type, you know. <laughs> and that was my life for most of my younger years. And the thing that I'll tell you is I, I knew what God's Word said. I knew. I, I grew up in a Christian home, Christian parents. They taught the Word of God faithfully to us. And I knew that God's Word said, hey, honor your parents, and it will go well with you. You don't honor them, and it won't go well. And I was living proof of that, and I lived it every day. And yet for 10, 12 years, I ignored it. I knew it, and I ignored it. And I don't know what it was God's work in my life, but one day when I was, I think, around 12 or 13, I don't remember the exact day, but I remember a shift in the way I thought of it. It was when I was 12 or 13, a thought occurred to me. I said, huh, maybe I'll try to listen to the Word of God. Maybe I'll see if it's true. I'm going to start honoring my parents, right? Which often meant I'm just, I'm going to shut my mouth. <laughs> I'm going to try this. And it was amazing. My life improved. Things got better in the home. I was more joyful. It was a 180 in my life and an explosion of the understanding that obeying God's word produces fruit and happiness. And I could obey it. It, it was freeing. I could say, hey, God does give the power over sin and a desire to read his word. It was, it was around that time where I turned from that rebellion and, and started to turn that I, I started to read God's word because I wanted to. And it was an explosion of life. <clears throat> this is the way that God works in his children. He comes to us and says, listen to my word. It's better. Don't insist on your own way. Heed my commands and it will go well with you. Brothers and sisters, we need to listen to the word of God, especially over our feelings, what we think is right. What we think, honestly, is garbage, right? For years of my life, I was convinced, thoroughly convinced that rebellion was the way to go, and I lived it for 10-plus years. And it wasn't. And it wasn't until God worked in my life that I saw it wasn't. God's ways 
are infinitely better than our own. So what's at stake if we don't heed the Word of God and we don't turn from our sin? Well, as I started out asking how you've grown or not over the six months or so, you may be thinking to yourself, huh, maybe I, I have fallen away in certain ways, in certain avenues of my life. And it's always, those kind of moments are always shocking because spiritual decay happens gradually, right? We don't realize it until we step back and think and consider our ways. And this is important that we recognize that spiritual decay does take place in our souls when we are away from God's Word, when it is not a part of our regular diet. We often don't realize the sins and the sufferings that come into our life because we have not been pursuing the Lord. Again, there's no neutral state in our walk with God. Either we're growing closer to Him or we're growing apart. Either we're moving towards righteousness and holiness or we're moving towards sin. Each day we're engaging in a spiritual battle and there's no room to sit on the sidelines and take a break. The enemy is continually seeking someone to destroy and he does so with the children of God. And if we're not grounded in the Word of God, how are we going to stand against these attacks? If not kept at bay in our lives, sin will creep in and it will destroy us. And there's no play... Excuse me. I say creep because it is a slow process. And it will happen over time, and we may not notice it. Back in June, I went to the Boundary Waters with uh, David Bailey, Joe Hench, and some of the senior guys. And I would like to clear the confusion. It was not a crazy trip. It was, don't believe David, okay? I'm only saying that because he's 900 miles from here. But um, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, on these trips, we always, we've gone on a few of them with the, the high school guys. We always try to put the experienced canoers with the less experienced canoers. It really helps. And so we thought, okay, Gabe Simpson, he's an Eagle Scout. He's got to know how to canoe. So, and that's a, that's a fairly necessary skill if you're going to be out in the, canoe, in the boundary waters for an entire week. And so our first day, we had to cross a, a, a really big lake, one of the largest up there. And on that day, it was very windy. There were big waves with white caps and high winds, which are not great for canoeing out in the middle of a lake. And so we start off, we put Gabe, I think with Kale, Vollmer, and we start paddling down this channel to get out to the big lake. Well, I look behind me, and, and, you know, Gabe's trying to get the hang of it, but, you know, they're veering off a bit, okay? So I turn around, and if you ever go to the Boundary Waters with David, you'll be quizzed the whole way up on the, the 14-hour car ride about canoe paddles. So David will yell out in the, in the van, all right, if you want to steer the canoe to the left, what do you do, Right? Sweep, you know, the van all yells out. If you want to go to the right, what do you do? A, a J-stroke, if you're paddling on the right. J-stroke, right? And I didn't realize Escape was sleeping during this time. But um, So we're out canoeing in this channel, and I look behind. And when he had started veering off a little bit, I thought, all right. And I looked to get around again, and he's way off on the other side of the channel. And so I think, well, he's in it now. We've got to keep going. So we keep going. I look around, and they're way off on the other side of the channel. And they keep bouncing back and forth, right? And, uh, and the thing that, you know, if you've canoed, you know this, you've got to paddle on every, on, especially on a lake, you've got to paddle on every stroke, or t- steer, I'm sorry, steer. You've got to steer with every paddle. If you don't, 
you're going to veer off, veer off, veer off, and before you know it, you're way off and you have to exert a tremendous amount of energy to get back and you'll end up overshooting where you want to go and go back the other way and you'll burn, you'll, you'll, you'll use twice as much energy to go to the same place. And so Gabe started picking that up. The other skill that we had to teach him and learn ourselves is when you canoe on an open, especially on open water, it's vital that you keep your eyes on a fixed point on the land somewhere ahead. If you don't, you won't be able to notice the ways that you're veering to the left and right. And so when you're paddling and you take your eyes off that fixed point, even for a few strokes, you're going to turn quite a bit. Now, luckily, Gabe was very smart and picked these things up. The, the Eagle badge helped. And he increased greatly throughout the week. Otherwise, I, th I think we would still be there. Um, <laughs> this is God's word to us. It's the point on the shoreline. It's the guide to us that tells us, hey, this is the straight path you're veering. It's the reference that we have to know which way to go. Without it, we would have no sense of direction, and we'd be spinning around in an open lake. Whenever our attention from the Word of God is lacking, we will find ourselves veering every which way. We will have no measure to judge whether our actions, our life, is in accordance with God's will or not. Scripture is the plumb line. It guides and it directs us. It allows us to grow. Notice our passage. It says that long for the pure milk of the Word of God so that by it you may grow. Grow in respect to salvation. If you stop to think, that's an odd statement. Grow in respect to salvation. What, what does it mean to grow in respect to your salvation? Does it mean that we become more saved? Does it mean that our works contribute to our salvation? All the ex-Catholics squirming right now. No. If you stop to think, the Word of God, as we've read, is living and enduring. And as we grow in our longing for the Word of God, we will, as our passage says, become, grow in our regards to salvation. What this statement means is that we are, in fact, saved through the Word of God. It is a means of grace that God has administered to His children, so that by it we may live. And not only live on the last day, when the, when the judgment day, when the hearts of all men will be, will be weighed, but now, here on earth, in our daily lives, true life has been given to us through the Word, so that we no longer desire the desires of the flesh, but we now can desire the things of God, namely His eternal and His true Word. We need to realize that our salvation is not just only a time-specific event, but rather it's a lifetime of growth in obedience through faith. Our salvation as Christians is done both in a moment of time and over our lives as we grow in respect to our salvation. Two words we need to keep in mind here and understand what they are and how they work. Justification and sanctification. Justification is the moment in time that our legal standing before God changes because of the work of Christ on the cross. So in a moment of time, we're declared holy before the Father. We're, we're declared just, and that's a part of from anything that we've done. It's simply by God's good grace through the death of Jesus on the cross that we're declared just. Sanctification is the inward work which Christ Jesus works in us 
by His Holy Spirit once we have been justified through the forgiveness of our sins. Justification is a time-specific event, meaning we're once justified and forever sealed as the children of God. Sanctification is the lifelong work of the Holy Spirit causing us to be conformed to the image and the likeness of the Father, being made holy because we have been justified. Now, both sanctification and justification are marks of a true believer. If we've been justified by God, then we will be sanctified. We should expect it. And we can't be sanctified, made holy, unless we're first justified. The Spirit works in us. Being justified before God, being declared justified, always will follow, there will follow a life of obedience and love for God. And this is the power that comes through the Holy Word. This is how we see it play out. The Christian is continually renewed. We are continually conformed to the image and the likeness of God. Earlier in 1 Peter, I didn't read it, but verse 15 says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Also, in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. You and I are made holy through the Word of God. By longing and by knowing it, by desiring it above all other things, by obeying its commands, by putting off our sin and living righteously. And we need to remember, we can only do this because we have been justified, because God has called us to life from perishable to an imperishable seed. Now, if you've never experienced this sort of desire for God's word that I've described to you, I'd like to ask you to consider, do you know God? Now, I don't want to cause doubt, but I also, I don't want anyone in here to be deceived. There will be those on the last day who say, Lord, Lord, we knew you. And God will say to them, no, depart from me. So have you had this? Have you had a work in your life, kind of what I, like what I described about when I was a young man and, and God came to me and called me from my rebellion and called me to obedience? A light bulb switched and I desired to obey God and read his word. Have you had that in your life? Again, I don't want to cause doubt, but we need to consider this. We need to judge accordingly if the spirit of God is at work in us because we'll see it. 1 John 2, 3, 6. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the manner as he walked. You know, it doesn't matter how spiritual you may or may not feel. The way in which we express our love for God, the fruit that it bears out in our life, is our obedience to the commands of God. And specifically in our passage, what we're given, putting off our sin and to start to desire the word of God fervently with a, a true love. Now, I will say that when, when God started working in me as a young man, it, it wasn't a complete change overnight. Now, in the, in the one sense, it was. It came to me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I said, huh, I can choose righteousness 
and stop serving my flesh and my sin. I can read the Word of God and love it. And that was an overnight change in me. But on the other hand, it was and still is a lifelong of growing in righteousness and growing and continuing to pursue God. It wasn't a complete change overnight. And so we need to realize there must be growth in the Christian life. There must be something. Growth over fighting sin. Growth in our love for God's Word and our desire to be immersed in it. Recently, when the um, quarantine began, we, uh, I brought home six... Well, these are, these are a different batch, but I brought home six little duck eggs. Really cute. And the first day you bring them home, I, can, you know, I could hold all six of them in my hands. Um, and the, the, the crazy thing about ducks is that they grow, I believe, about 30% of their size every other day. So you can sit there and literally watch them grow. Um, thankfully, children grow at a much slower rate, but it's still pretty quick. Lucy, our youngest daughter, is nine months old, and she's put on like 10, 11 pounds since birth. And when, especially when you see her, and you probably know this, next to another newborn, you go, whoa, how did that happen? They grow quickly. Growth is obvious. Yeah, physical growth, but spiritual growth is obvious. It always is. It's tangible and it's real. It's measurable. And I hope you're able to quantify ways that you have grown, let's say in these, again, past six months. How have you grown? How can you measure it? Scripture quantifies this growth. Those who love God and keep his commands. If you love God, you will keep his commands. What are his commands? Again, our passage, put off your sin and long for the Word of God. Scripture expects that the Christian's life is one of growth. First Peter commands us to, to long for this pure milk so that we may grow in respect to our salvation, become more holy. Growth will always follow an increased longing and a zeal for God's Word. If you're not growing for the past week, month, day, year, if you've been stagnant spiritually, be assured that this lack of growth is because you have not longed for the Word of God. We each experience these periods, these dry times of little or maybe no spiritual growth in our life. And my hope is to encourage you to limit those times. To overcome the feeling of being stuck spiritually. Of not not believing the lie that you sort of have a spiritual fatalism, like this is just how it is. I wish I had more longing for the Word of God. I wish I was more holy. But, you know, for whatever reason, this is who I am. This is the family I grew up in. This is whatever. No, God doesn't say that to you. He says, look to Him and His Word. Look to Him for power and strength through His Word. There are many practical ways to do this that we can seek to increase our love for God and for His Word. I want to encourage you, whether, whether you're new to the faith or whether you've been a Christian for many, many years, I want to encourage you to seek God's Word in a greater way. And so I have three things. First, read it. Now, this is obvious, right? Read the God's Word. But, I, you know, I don't want to diminish the impact that regular disciplined reading of God's Word has. Psalm 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor nor sit in the seat of scoffers. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. In his law he meditates day and night. Read the word of God day and night. Read it. And not just read it, but meditate on it. Take time to do this. You know, it's one thing to whip out the phone app and read a chapter and, you know, check, I'm done. It's another thing to set aside time where you can study and learn and seek to, to see where God is teaching and calling you out of sin. I don't want to deny the fact that there is busyness in our lives. We have many other callings and things that God would have us do. But our reading of Scripture, our time in it, is absolutely vital to us. Young people, I want to say specifically to you, make the discipline of reading God's Word a habit. Fight for it. My wife and I, as Parker said, work with the youth, and this is often one of the, you know, a big thing we deal with and challenge them on. Hey, are you reading your Word? Are you reading your Word? Are you reading your Word? I encourage you, read it. Commit, commit yourself to it. There's no greater risk or threat to your spiritual well-being than the time you're missing in the Word. Those of you here who are older and more mature in Christ have studied God's Word for maybe a lifetime. I want to encourage you, don't let the Word of God become too familiar. Now, what I mean by that is don't get to a point where you think of, of the Word of God or portions of it as mundane. You've read it. You know, you think you know it. Fight to know it and keep the awe of Scripture. One of the Scripture verses I think is most in danger of becoming mundane to us is John 3.16, right? We see it everywhere. I mean, athletes wear it. it it's, it's a pretty popular verse, and it can be easy to, oh, there's John 3.16 again. Well, John 3.16 is an amazing verse, and we should treasure it as Christians and never think of it as simple and base. It's the Word of God. Don't skim by portions of Scripture you think you know well. Don't scroll blithely by Scripture shared on your social media post. Treasure it. Know its power. Keep a zeal and a passion for it like you had when you first came alive in the Lord. It's, it's encouraging when you see this in a church, people who are just coming alive. For Mackenzie and I, recently it's been Emma Downs, a, a, well, a sophomore now in our youth group. She started coming to church about a year ago. And since that time, Mackenzie and I have seen her just explode in a love for God's Word. And it's so encouraging to see. And it encourages me <laughs> to rekindle that love and desire for God's Word. We'll never be able to plumb the depths of Scripture and pity us if we think we have. Pity us if we don't get excited by the Word of God. We need to treasure it in our hearts. Two, join a Bible study or a group. Parker just uh, mentioned that men's and women's Bibles are gonna, Bible studies are going to be starting up soon. Youth groups starting back up. Uh, small groups are coming this fall. I would encourage you, make it a priority to be a part of these groups. Now we know, <clears throat> excuse me, each of us, each family is, you know, we're trying to pick and choose what we give our time to and balance. You know, there's busyness in life, school activities, sports, everything. I would encourage you, make these groups a priority in your life. These aren't just another activity or gathering throughout the week. This is your spiritual well-being. Be careful that you don't pass up on too many opportunities to study the Word of God, and especially to study the Word of God with other Christians. 
God has richly blessed this church with many men and women who really love God's Word. I've been blessed by many of those people here. It's such an encouragement to be around people who have a love and a zeal for God's Word. It helps encourage you and challenge you to love and and, um, consider God's Word holy and pure. So I encourage you, spend time with people like this. Get involved in these groups. I guarantee you, you spend time with people who love God's Word, you'll begin to love God's Word. It'll wear off on you. Like I said, our church has many great men and women doing this. So get involved. Follow them. And third, last but not least, how we can seek to increase our love for God's Word, pray. This is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Fleshly eyes, a fleshly heart cannot read the Word of God and love it naturally. We can't leave our sin on our own accord. So pray. I encourage you, every time you read God's Word, pray, plead with the Holy Spirit to come to you and open your eyes and your heart to prick your conscience. The end of our passage reads, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, that you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. What kindness from the Father that he has revealed himself to us, that he has given us ears and hearts that are open to him and his word. God has made us into a new creation. He has brought us into and through his word and saved us. And how foolish are we to spurn this love? How foolish are we to neglect it? May we never take for granted God's word. May we be good stewards of the grace that we have received from God. For those of you who aren't sure whether you have had this gift granted to you, if you haven't received new life, a changed heart, you see your desires become that for the Lord. Well, I encourage you to ask in faith that God would give it to you, to plead with him. Don't let the word of the Lord fall on deaf ears. This is the word that is preached to you, and I encourage you, put off your sin. Cling to the word of God. He will give you the strength to do both of these. He will change your desires and enable you to grow in holiness. I'd be happy to talk with you after the service, if you'd like. Um, This is important and vital work. So it's my hope that each of us here long for the word of God. I know we're each in different places in our walks with God, different levels of faith, and maturity in Christ, some less and some more, but yet the same fervency and passion should be consistent throughout this church for the love of God. So let's encourage one another to love God's Word. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you will cause us to be a church, Lord, a people that love your Word. May we cherish it. Father, may we grow in our desire for it. Father, help us to put aside our sin. Help us to turn to you in faith, Lord. We pray in your heavenly name. Amen.